Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, welcome to the Gospel for Life this morning. We are continuing our trek through the Psalms, but before we get started, maybe just a little update for many of you this weekend. I think it marks the uh, first Sunday that your congregations are coming back together, um, leaving the live stream world maybe for a moment and and being able to join together in a congregation. Praise the Lord for what he's uh, opened up here recently. I'm just so thankful. I know that, Russ, are are you guys meeting this coming Sunday? We are, May 17th. Yeah. Yeah, we are. um, We've actually been meeting in Kleiner Park, but we're actually going to be back in our building this Sunday, the Well Church. And then, Phil, where are you guys at? We are not <clears throat> we are not uh, physically meeting together yet. We hope to begin doing that in June at the Kleiner Center. Uh, but until then, we're continuing to live stream uh, Sunday morning, 10 a.m. on our website, uh, ChristPressBoise.org. And you actually get to preach at least to several people in the room, right? I mean, your worship yeah. team and stuff. Yeah, we have a we have a team of eight people that come in to. To, to do the actual, so I'm not, uh, thankfully, I'm not just preaching to a camera, which yeah. would be really weird. Yeah, totally. Um, well, we are in Psalm 84 today, and I, I imagine this psalm would be pretty familiar to many of our listeners because Matt Redman wrote a song several years ago called uh, Better Is One Day, and it's essentially, you know, based off of this psalm. Uh, Russ, would you like to read that for us? How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a rest for herself where she may lay her young. At your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Blessed are those whose strength is in you and whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. What an excellent psalm. Uh, maybe maybe just real quick, uh, George Mueller, you guys probably remember him. He was the uh, German-born um, English uh, orphanage director. I think in the uh, 19th century. And he, when his wife was dying at one point, 
um, his wife that he he dearly loved, uh, he actually quoted this psalm um, when it says in verse 11, no good thing does God withhold from those who walk uprightly. And this is what he said about his wife as she lie on her deathbed. Um, if she dies, um, then that's a good thing because God doesn't withhold any good thing from those who walk uprightly. And if she lives, then that's a good thing. And it was just amazing. It wasn't cold, callous. It was the warmest mm -hmm. interpretation of this verse that I've ever read. Mm -hmm. This psalm is um, a, a wonderful, um, well, well, it's a, it's a, a psalm of praise, obviously, uh, to God, and, and particularly of the blessing of being in God's temple and worshiping in God's temple. Um, it's a, a psalm that's written to be, to be sung in the temple, but it's about worship in the, in the temple and what a precious gift that was uh, to be in that place where God's— and we know that God is present everywhere— there, there is no place, you know, as 139th Psalm says, you know, where, where could I go to escape to where could I go to flee your spirit? If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost, uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand will lead me. So there's no place we can go where God is not present. But God particularly blessed the temple and uh, particularly designated that as the place at, at that time uh, where people came to worship God and honor God. And, th and this, there, there are some things, even though uh, in Christ we know that we're not limited to, we, do, we don't need to make a trip to Jerusalem to worship God. Uh, there's something about a sense of place dedicated to worship. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know that uh, we were just talking earlier, um, Josh, about uh, you know, your church um, just... Uh, securing ownership of the property yes. where, where you've been, where you've been worshiping it. Yeah. And uh, we know that that particular space is, you know, no more sacred than any other, no more sacred than the space where we're sitting right now. Right. And yet that space where the people of God come together to worship, it becomes special. Yes. Uh, because you meet God there and you, and you, and you sing God's praises there and, um, this psalm is, is just a, a wonderful so song of praise, uh, even though we as modern-day Christians can't identify uh, with seeking the presence of God in his temple in Jerusalem. Uh, there's a special gift about the people of God being together in a particular place that's designated and set apart for worship. Mm. I um, sometimes fear that some of this longing for... <clears throat> God's house is is continually being lost in our Western society that we don't have as much of a, a tendency to I mean you read this psalm, you read Psalm 42 and 43, you you get this sense, Psalm 63, that the psalmist truly longed to be not just with God, but with God's people. Um, that that was part of what it meant for the psalmist to truly worship God. Um and there's this beautiful line here that in verse 10, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God. So he was saying the doorkeeper would be on the fringe, would be on the outside edge. And he's saying even that's better yeah. than not being here at all. Um, and maybe I hope I'm wrong. I hope, I hope this is not the sentiment of, of, our, of the church today, but 
I, I do fear a little bit that this longing is, has been lost um, to so many. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, when we read the Old Testament, in this psalm in particular, it has the word Zion at least twice. And I think that many of us approach the scripture, we read these kind of unfamiliar words, and we feel an immediate disconnect from the text. But God actually wants us to be very much connected to especially words like that. Um, but you have to understand what they what they mean. I mean, obviously, Zion in the historical um, perspective meant a, a place, but it didn't just mean a, a place with the period at the end of that sentence. It also was a people. I mean, if you look mm-hmm. at the usage of that word in the Old Testament, Zion, in Isaiah 51, 16, God is speaking and it says, uh, say to Zion, you are my people. So he calls Zion his people. Mm-hmm. He, he's, he's not talking about the brick and the mortar. He's talking about a particular people. Right. And so yeah. when we approach this psalm and it says, you know, um, uh, blessed are those whose strength is in you and whose hearts are the highways to Zion, or they go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. He very much, the psalmist very much wants us to connect this, as you were saying, Russ, to the to the people of God, not to, to some we're not fleeing to to Jerusalem, as you said, uh, Phil, in order to meet with God. We can meet God every week with the people of God. Mm-hmm. I like to watch birds. I'm not I'm not an expert on bird watching by any stretch of the imagination. But it's interesting in verse is in verse three, the psalmist envies these birds. But it's it's fascinating the birds that he envies. A sparrow. So over the years when I've been watching birds and you know your kids join in that activity and they'll be like, oh, what kind of bird is that, Dad? I'm like, well, it's just a sparrow. I don't use that line on any other bird, but if it's a sparrow, I do put the word, it's just a sparrow in front of it. And the psalmist is saying this insignificant, what most of us consider an insignificant bird, even a sparrow finds a home. Yeah. And the swallow, and if you know anything about a swallow, they seem to be constantly in flight. Um, and even the swallow, a nest for herself. Um, and it just shows the significance of how, what verse 4 says, blessed are those who dwell, who have an abiding um, place that they can be with God. And there's so much, many in our society today that don't have that sense of security. They don't have a place that they can call home. They, their lives are hard. Their lives are are difficult. And one of the things, one of the wonderful gifts that we have to offer so many people is, hopefully, that church is a place that's safe. It's a place that they can dwell secure, that they, they, they can say, this is my home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that comes out in this psalm. Mm-hmm. And of course... Um as we've already as we've already mentioned, um, the Jerusalem Temple was uniquely set apart by God uh, for for His worship, and uh, we remember in the New Testament that when Christ died on the cross, the curtain of the temple is torn in two from top to bottom, and that's uh, God very vividly demonstrating that the era of the temple is closed, and. Uh, and the New Testament is also pretty clear uh, that we have a new temple, and the new temple is Christ himself. And to be in Christ 
is to dwell continually in in this sense we we dwell we dwell continually in the temple because Christ is in us and we are in Christ um as um uh, Tozer Tozer once said and I'm freely paraphrasing here that if you take away our church buildings uh it it's not going to impede our worship one little bit because we carry our temple with us mm. and uh, this Verses 5 through 7 talks about this pilgrimage to Jerusalem, basically to Zion. Well, we're not going on a pilgrimage to Zion, but we are on a pilgrimage. This is what the New Testament would say, that yes. we are aliens and, and strangers here, that we're on a pilgrimage. And it's interesting how real these verses are. Um, as you go through the Valley of Baca, Baca is, is this time of, it means weeping. As you go through this Valley of Weeping, they make it a place of springs. It's the idea that on this journey uh, that we're on as, as believers to, to, to heaven, really, um, there are going to be times of sorrow, there's times of difficulty, but those that are in Christ find that he can make it a place of springs and that they go from strength to strength. Yeah, that's right. That even in the midst of the heartache and the, and the difficulty, um, Christ is sufficient to take that and, and, and provide what you need in those moments. Mm-hmm. There's this great promise at the end of the, of the psalm. The Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. Uh, no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And I just know people with a tender conscience or a doubting conscience will look at that verse and they won't appropriate that promise to themselves because they are very aware of their sin. And so they get lost at that part of the verse. But there's a parallelism. In verse 12, it says, O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. How do you understand the person who walks uprightly? It's the person who trusts in the Lord. Amen. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We've been um, working through the Psalms. And if you're looking for a good commentary or a good book or a good overview on the Psalm, uh, Robert Godfrey, one of our speakers at the Reformation Conference this coming year, this November 13th and 14th, he wrote a book called Love, Learning to Love the Psalms. <laughs> Getting tongue twisted here. So, uh, Learning to Love the Psalms by Robert Godfrey. Great book, and uh, we hope to see you next time. 